It is the Friday edition of Aretha Martin Real Time. Welcome in. I'm Avi Bernard with you every Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Here's what you might have missed. A suspect has been arrested in connection with three of the 10 victims linked to the Gilgo Beach, New York murders. New York City architect Rex Herman is charged with the murders of three women whose bodies were found covered in burlap along Ocean Parkway in Long Island's South Shore in December 2010. The three women were between 22 and 27 years old and all worked as sex workers. The Biden administration today announced that it would cancel $39 billion of student debt owed by more than 804 borrowers whose debts have been outstanding for more than 20 years. The program is separate from President Joe Biden's sweeping student debt relief program that the the Supreme Court struck down last month. But the announcement comes as the Biden administration looks to highlight its alternative pathways for delivering student debt relief in the face of that legal defeat. Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr., the civil rights icon and former presidential candidate, is stepping down as president of the Rainbow Push Coalition, according to his son, Rep. Jonathan Jackson. The senior Jackson will announce his retirement at the annual Rainbow Push Convention in Chicago on Sunday. Vice President Kamala Harris will be the keynote for the event, and a successor to Jackson is also expected to be announced. Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr. was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 2017. California voters will have the chance to remove language barring same-sex marriage from their state's constitution in 2024's general election. The California Senate passed a proposed constitutional amendment yesterday that would repeal Proposition 8, which voters approved in 2008, to ban the state from recognizing same-sex marriages. The state Senate voted 31 to 0 to repeal the proposition, with all but one of the chambers, eight Republicans, not casting a vote. The California Assembly passed the measure in June, with two-thirds majority needed to place it on the ballot in 2024. The two black men who were allegedly tortured and assaulted in an incident by five Rankin County Mississippi deputies and one Richland police officer spoke out yesterday for the first time about the January interaction. They say left one of them shot in the mouth. Michael Jenkins and Eddie Parker were at their residence on January 24th when they say five Rankin County deputies and one Richland Police Department officer entered without a warrant to conduct a drug raid. The deputies and officer beat the men through exit them and shocked them with tasers for roughly 90 minutes or handcuffed while handcuffed, uh, according to the lawsuit, which the men filed last month. The lawsuit is against the Sheriff's Department and related parties and seeks $400 million in damages. Hollywood is facing its largest labor action since 1960, as actors begin a strike, began a strike yesterday, joining the tens of thousands of entertainment writers who've been on the picket line since June, The Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild of America say their demands are meant to protect their members in an era of rapid change and uncertainty for the entertainment industry, brought on by factors like the proliferation of streaming, collapsing box office returns, and artificial intelligence. Going to get into those topics and, and many more with our contributors today, Dr. Sean Fletcher of San Jose State University and Danny Griffin entrepreneur, educator, and motivational speaker. And there is also 
you know, we do our segment every Friday, What in the White Privilege. <sighs> There's a lot of white privilege going around today. Or this week, I'll say. And, and we're going to share it all with you because I'm glad that both Danny and Dr. Fletcher will be here for the entire show, the entire two-hour show. And I wanted them to be here for the whole show because there is a lot to talk about. And there is, there is just a lot of audacity going on right now that I cannot wait to unpack with these gentlemen today. And we're going to do that as soon as we come forward right here on KBLA Talk 1580. And it's Avi Bernard with you every Friday, 4 to 6 p.m., joined this week by Dr. Sean Fletcher, professor at San Jose State University, and Danny Griffin, entrepreneur, educator, motivational speaker. Very, very grateful for both of you being with me today. And I want to start with this this suspect being arrested in connection with the murders, the Gilgo Beach murders from over a decade ago. And I wanted to talk about this because you know, it, it's a white man who's accused of uh, killing, I believe, all white women. But just just the shock that people have when a, a rich white guy like this, who is an architect, a New York City architect, uh, his neighbors describe him as quiet and, you know, it's just... It's, it's just remarkable that that this dude has been just chilling all these past, I don't know, 10, 12 years. And just the heinousness of, of, his, of these murders, obviously every murder is, is horrible. But this dude, on five occasions, so, okay, so one of the women that he is accused of murdering, Melissa Bartholomew, on five occasions in the summer of, of 2009... Uh, after she had, you know, been, after she had disappeared, someone in Midtown Manhattan, which is where he, uh, this dude's office is, his name is Rex Herman, and Herman is spelled very differently, just if you're trying to look him up. So, five occasions in the summer of 2009, someone in Midtown Manhattan, which is where Rex Herman's office is located, used her phone, Miss Bartholomew's, to make taunting phone calls to her family. And some of the calls resulted in a conversation between the caller, who was a male, who we now believe to be Rex Herman, and a relative of Melissa Bartholomew, in which the male caller admitted killing and sexually assaulting Miss Bartholomew. And how they caught this guy, male hair was recovered from the burlap used to wrap uh, one of the young woman's bodies and that DNA from that hair was found to be a match to leftover pizza crust that Rex Herman threw into a Manhattan garbage can in January of this year. So 14 years later, they get some DNA from a pizza crust that this dude was eating. And they can match it to some of the hair that was found on one of the young women's bodies. So... I just wanted to <laughs> I just wanted to have this conversation with y'all because this this man hanging out going on about his business as a real estate investor and or I'm sorry as, as an architect rather and and all all this time and, and they've been looking for the the murderer of these women and he's been sitting right there in the in the 
in the area where all this happened. And so just uh, just want to get your take on this um, on this. Uh, Danny, let's start with you. Uh, well, first of all, um, thank you for having me. Um, good afternoon, Dr. Fletcher. Um, this is a tough Dr. one, Rob. man. Um, you know, doing a little research on this uh, this tragic story, uh, I come to find like I was watching uh, Quincy Jones, MD versus Matlock. Well, a little murder she wrote, and I just—it was just nostalgic. The detective work was amazing. Um, they stayed on task. Uh, we got evidence. We got burner phones. We got DNA, pizza crust. There's all this crazy stuff. And and what I come to find out was that everyone thinks a burner phone is anonymous. It's not. They will trace the person that you call to. Find out where you purchase it. You got all these cell towers pinging off. It, I mean, this guy had no shot. But well, well, he was—he remains free no, no, for over time. a decade, so he had a shot. Well, I'm gonna tell you one thing: the grand jury was very significant in this case because their cooperation, along with the steadfast detective works, uh, got the killer caught. And I'm gonna tell you why. Without the grand jury, you cannot move forward continuing getting all of this evidence, getting subpoenas. You can't continue to do that. I mean, they were digging. I mean, you got you got two separate groups of cell phone towers that were pinging off. Come to find out he lived in one box. Come to find out he frequent another box, uh, and, you know, the four, uh, the four cell towers. Uh, so the burner phones caught up to him. Uh, he had no shot with that. And then... Uh, he is calling <laughs> the family members and he's making threatening messages. Uh, he, he's saying, I killed your relative. I mean, this guy is a Looney Tunes and he kept a job and I'm sure people thought he was a model citizen and a great neighbor and a great citizen of this country. And all along, uh, he was no good. And that's why you can't judge a book by its cover. That's why it doesn't matter what you do, uh, what degree you have, what type of money you have, or where you live. You can be an evil person and, and be doing criminality behind closed doors. You can't judge a book by its cover is absolutely correct. And that's the part that's most striking about this story to me is that he was using the, young, the victim's phone to call and taunt her family members. Absolutely horrendous. Dr. Fletcher. Uh, likewise, uh, always good to, to be on. I appreciate uh, breaking down these issues with, with you two good brothers. So with this particular case, I got a lot of a lot of different thoughts that came to my mind. I know you would. And I, I try not, you know, I, you know me, I, I try <laughs> not to make everything about race, but it's the shoe fit. And there are some and there are some some variables here that strike my interest. I, I'm, I'm, I'm OK going there. So this struck me as like a Ted Bundy type of situation. Mm. Ted Bundy, many, many back in back in the seventies, he kidnapped, murdered dozens of of women. I mean, serial killer to the nth degree, right? And many, uh, by most accounts and documentaries, police reports, all that uh, that you see is that he didn't look like a, a like a heinous murderer. Mm -hmm. He didn't look it. Okay, now. Tell me what 
quantitative or qualitative assessment can come off of that. That is beyond the pale of not judging a book by its character. It moves into to bias because I have yet to see that. I've yet to see that rubric applied to different groups. That's where my, my sort of disclaimer about if race fits, we sometimes have to sniff it out. I've only seen that in certain cases where there is an individual who fits the mold of what society says is a normal functioning individual. And that person almost has to pull a, a, a wreck situation and flaunt it to such an egregious standpoint that you leave them no choice but to investigate. So uh, that's one thing that, that struck me was how you can go this far and flaunt it in their faces without over a decade without being caught. That's one thing. The other thing that, that strikes me as somewhat of an ongoing issue, because we see it up here in the Bay, primarily in the Tenderloin District, those who aren't familiar, a district of San Francisco, where there's a lot of drug use, a lot of sex workers, there's a lot of policing issues, legislative issues, so on and so forth. And a striking parallel with these two women that were noted as sex workers is that we're also struggling with that in this area and across the United States to identify how to put parameters and, and safety measures, I'll say, around the sex worker industry. Now, whether you agree with it or not, that is not my point. My point is, is that from a policing and social services standpoint, we seem to struggle with what we do with sex workers and how we are protecting we almost create this, and they've done it in the Tenderloin. They barricaded this area of the city where they just kind of allow it to kind of be Amsterdam of the Bay Area. Mm. And that doesn't fly with me. So in these types of situations, while it may seem as an undercurrent, it, it struck me when I saw that they were sex workers because we're seeing this major egregious blind spot in our policing and social services system around protecting this industry, and they become ripe to be preyed upon, mm -hmm. not necessarily by serial killers, but by, by those who ultimately may lead to something like this, even if it's assault. So there were a number of different layers to this piece, man, that would take a long time to fully unpack, but those were the two that rose to the top for me. No, I, I completely agree. And I think sex workers are are extremely vulnerable. And I think a lot of people kind of discard them. A lot of people kind of kind of just dismiss them as as not as valuable as as mm -hmm. the rest of us because of the of their profession. But obviously they're human beings and they're trying to make a living and they deserve the same protection that everyone else deserves. So well said, Dr. Fletcher. I wanted to talk mm -hmm. about this situation in Mississippi. So two black men, their their home was raided. Their home was raided. The officers were looking for drugs, uh, allegedly, and they they tied these guys up, and then they just humiliate and and assault them they're they're throwing eggs at them they're hitting them they're shocking them with tasers they found a sex toy in in the apartment they tried to uh, sexually assault them with 
and they forced these two men to then shower together after that they had made them defecate themselves and so now these two men are they fought they fought a lawsuit and it's 400 million dollars in damages all of the the deputies involved have either resigned or been fired but just just the the utter disrespect and what those officers were doing to me they just love to have power over us they have these guys in handcuffs i don't i don't believe they found any drugs in the apartment or or the the residence but whether you whether you did or you didn't what what gives you the right to then go doing this for for an hour and a half torturing these guys and what makes you want to do that it's it's five white guys torturing two black guys who are tied up five white cops and this isn't this isn't some traffic stop or some incident where you know an officer is trying to arrest someone and they're resisting or not resisting because either way you're in danger if if you're a black person and they're trying to arrest you but this was them already already subdued in inside a residence unarmed obviously their hands are tied behind their back and they're just they're just assaulted and humiliated and so my my thought was they're they're doing this because they love to have power over us but i i don't know if there's something else i'm missing but but danny what are your thoughts well oh man here we go again uh same same situation uh different state uh different people involved with the game uh in terms of um this is disheartening, man. Um, and, and, and I'm going to tell you why. You know, we looked at the Memphis situation, and then, you know, you saw those African-American police officers uh, kind of put on the island, uh, prosecuted very quickly, uh, you know, loss of jobs, everything, as they should be in that, you know, in that instance. Here, uh, obviously, you, you're going to see uh, a race card uh, being played as it should, but you're going to see that uh, supersede the the real issue here. Um, a lot of people use race. A lot of people use the fact that it's police. We have to put it out there. A, a lot of people have issue uh, with African American men, and as we can see, what's been happening locally, it seems like African American women as well. Uh, people just have an issue with us, um, and it's been going on. Uh, for a very long time in this country, and you can see what's going on with France is going on globally as well. Uh, these officers had their body cameras off, mm -hmm. uh, which was free game, free play. Uh, that's why you probably saw the torture and how long uh, the torture lasted, uh, the antagonization, um, the taunting, uh, and then an officer actually uh, allegedly uh, – put a weapon inside one of the victim's mouth mm -hmm. and actually fired it. Mm -hmm. um, not, you know, everything is yet to be determined. It's still under, under investigation. Uh, you know, uh, it could have been an accident <laughs> that he, the gun went off when he put it in his mouth, right? Could be, uh, you know, or uh, 
Maybe he grabbed his gun. You, you never know. That, this, these are the things that they're, you know, they're just putting it out there. No cameras, no evidence. We, we have to let, uh, you know, let the jurisdiction, uh, the presiding jurisdiction, the sheriffs take over. And this is about 26 minutes from Jackson. They don't hold African-American people in high regards in this area for decades, okay, for, for, for a very long time. And, you know, poverty, you know, they say literacy rate, whatever it is. They just, just because a person uh, is down don't mean you kick them. Um, we need justice for our brothers and sisters in the South as well as uh, progressive larger cities. Uh, but particularly, I'm reading this case, and it's like 100 people showed up here and there, and it's not as viral as it should be. Um, I'm glad we're bringing it to the forefront. I had to dig to find this story. Yeah, this is it, bad. It was, like, it I had not, to dig, too. It was not readily available. It was not on any of the, the main pages of any it's, of the major news websites. It's like, it's like, it's like they're still getting away with it. You know what I mean? And it's like, we're, we're the people. We're the same people, you know, from all these other big cases. You know what I mean? I mean, we, we got we to gotta bring some attention to this. I mean, we got to dig to find this out. I'm looking at the pictures, the imagery from the hospital bed. I mean, these injuries are very significant. Mm -hmm. um, money's not going to take care of this issue. Have you noticed how many settlements does it take to end the pain? Does a settlement stop the bleeding? I say no because... The Ron Settle case out here in the early 80s with the football player from Long Beach State in Banning High School, rest in peace, Ron Settles. Johnny Cochran was a lawyer at the time. He took that case, and we're almost 40 years later, we're still settling. So is money the answer to br police brutality? Beat me, but pay me. Kill me, but pay my family. At some point, this has to end. And I'm glad we're bringing this to the forefront today, this case. And I'm, I'm researching it, but I can't find enough. And, and where's, our, where's these ambulance ch chasers and poverty pimps? We're going to have to hold your, hold your thought on that one, Danny Griffin, as we've got to step aside for a quick second, and we'll get Dr. Fletcher's thoughts on the other side. You know, Dr. Fletcher needs several minutes, and we want to provide that to him because we do enjoy his perspective. And we'll get uh, into this topic a little bit deeper, and also we're going to discuss uh, some extreme white privilege. We've got some audio clips for you. After this news, traffic, and sports update on KBLA Talk 1580. And it's the Friday edition of Ariva Martin in real time. So glad to have you with us. It's Avi Bernard joined by Danny Griffin, educator, entrepreneur, and motivational speaker, and Dr. Sean Fletcher of San Jose State University. Wish you guys could have been with us during the break. Me and, and Danny and uh, Candy Andy in here having some, uh, some, some deep, some deep uh, side thoughts. Also want to remind you that, the, uh, that Black Lives <laughs> Matter turns 10. The People's Justice Festival is taking place tomorrow, July 15th, uh, Saturday, 12 to 6 p.m., right here, right next to the radio station uh, in Lamert Park. Performances by Children's Village, uh, giveaways, speakers, uh, uh, Skillshare, Healing Justice Space, and also uh, Tavis Smiley and Dominique Suprema will be on stage for, uh, for most of the day. And I believe uh, Cornell West will be there as well. And so, although I do not agree with this candidacy at all, at all, not one little bit. He will be here, and maybe, uh, maybe you'll have the chance to have a conversation with him about that. So we're talking about this, uh, this, this case in Mississippi. And by the way, welcome if you're joining us on YouTube, or if you're listening via the free KBLA 1580 app, or on traditional terrestrial radio 1580 AM in the city of LA, right here with us. If you want to join this conversation, give us a call, 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. Uh, 
All right, Dr. Fletcher, you've had uh, you've had plenty of time here to <laughs> to uh, kind of tee this up, and <laughs> and so I want to get your thoughts on this Run case. Run down and... my, my ten point. <laughs> hey, I love it, man. I love it. That's why I love having you on the show, and <laughs> just just really just calculated, just uh, precision on how you uh, how you give it to these people. So, well, we're talking about for those who might just be joining us. Two black men who were allegedly tortured and assaulted by five officers or, or six officers, five from Rankin County, Mississippi, and, and one from Richland, Mississippi. And they were in their place of residence. They were handcuffed, and these officers assaulted them and tortured them. And now those officers are being sued by uh, sued for $400 million. And so, Dr. Fletcher, take it away. Well, a couple of, of things. I'll pick up where where Danny sort of left part of his his point, and then I also want to touch a little bit on what you mentioned, Ivy, around the cause. Maybe is it power? Is it race? What what is it? The 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 issue part of what Danny mentioned in terms of what is it going to take, and is it a money issue? And I think you're absolutely correct in that clearly money is not the solution for it. There was a there was something that Benjamin Crump. Uh, famed civil rights attorney mentioned when George Floyd's family was awarded that record um, settlement, 27 million a couple of years ago. And he said that settlement sends a powerful message that black lives do matter and police brutality against people of color must end. Well, we're continuing to see uh, that that's not the case and that many of these lawsuits, the ones that are actually made public because many of these settlements are private, aren't a deterrent at all. They don't substitute for systemic over or overhaul and, and changes. Because if that were the case, there have been many uh, uh, record-breaking settlements that we've seen. Because if that were the case, it wouldn't have just been George Floyd's family. Breonna Taylor's family got $12 million. It would have been Laquan McDonald. It would have been uh, Freddie Gray. It would have been Philando Castile. If those were going to be deterrents, then we would have seen that. So I, I fully agree. It's not it's not money that's going to do it. Now, what's in the, the hearts of, of these sadistic guys who do these types of things? I don't claim to understand that. But what I do believe, and there's evidence of it, that is both race and it's power that's involved in it. Uh, we, what we talked about last month when the DOJ's report on the Minneapolis mm-hmm. Police Department, mm-hmm. that, that underscores that underscores race was significantly involved in some of the, the, the issues that they saw police department wide. Certainly it's a power issue, but where for, for those who will say, Oh, Dr. Fletcher, Danny, I'm y'all always talking about race. Well, there is a power element that's indiscriminate of race. I believe involved too, because when you bring in Tyree, Tyree Nichols, death, those were five black police officers mm-hmm. yep. who were charged in, in Memphis. So again, Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that saying is certainly in vogue across the board. And that leads me to my last point. The conversation comes back up again about policing in America. Is reform enough or do we have to tear it all down or reimagine policing in America? Unfortunately, we still haven't gotten to that answer. I don't think that a total reimagination is, in fact, realistic um, nor do I believe that the political winds are going to allow that. 
mm-hmm. is reform. Can you retrofit a, a torn down, corrupt system? Mm, probably not. I wish I had a great answer. I don't. But those are just sort of some thoughts that are on the top of my head. Let's go to Lewis calling in from Long Beach. Lewis, you are on the radio. Welcome. What's on your mind? Uh, I'm not better expressive. I'm going to try to express my comments in a coherent fashion. Uh, my idea is that uh, we're going way past, black America's gone way past time to get this stuff corrected. And I have a method uh, which I believe can get it corrected. First of all, we'll get the National Unity March on the White House in mass and let the president of this country know that we're tired of this shit oh we're gonna we have, have to we're gonna have to pause you there we're gonna have to pause you because we are live on the radio and we <laughs> yeah. do we do have to uh watch our our language here and so okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one more you opportunity just, you to continue to me or me, I can say no no you, you can continue but if you if you do that again i'm gonna have to disconnect you understood uh as I said, we need to get a uniform nationwide uh, protest, march on the White House, and let these people know that we're tired of this. We aren't going to take it anymore. And if, if uh, the administration can't get the DOJ to fix it, then we're going to have to do a, take another procedure. Okay, so your your solution is, uh, is a march and then getting the DOJ to police uh, all of these things. So, But that's... I mean, that might be a positive step, but how do you combat? This is happening in, in different towns across the country. The DOJ We're can't about be there. the whole United States. Mm-hmm. The whole United whole of the United States. Right, right. Top to bottom, all over. And uh, the sooner we get that, until we get that done, it's not going to change. And if that, if we, if we can get that done and it doesn't change, then we're going to have to go back to burning. To back to burning. All right, all right, Lewis. Well, uh, I appreciate your oh, call man. and thank you for sharing your perspective with us uh, today. Uh, I don't think going back to burning is the solution. Uh, there, there's, mm. <laughs> we're we're always the ones who get the wrong end of that anyway. Oh yeah. And so we we got to find alternative methods, and we got to we have to we do definitely have to work together, and we have to work with our allies. We do have allies, and we we got to we have to. I think. You know, I think you're you're on to something there, Lewis. I don't know that the DOJ can police these things all around the country at all times, but I think that instead of being fired or, or being forced to resign, these officers should they there have to be stricter punishments. And these officers should not only be charged, but they should be charged with hate crimes. And I think the more that officers of the law face the consequences of the law that they are supposed to be upholding these things will start to happen less and there is a lot of hate in in the world and i I don't know if it'll ever be gone but at least if these officers know that if they do something like this not only are they going to lose their job but they're going to end up in prison then you'll start to see this happen less and less so that's what I got right now. That's all I got right now. And I think we have to just continue to be to hold these people accountable. We got some people commenting on on YouTube here. Let's see. Fahima says, you're absolutely right. And it continues because there are no consequences. If they were personally held accountable, it would stop. 
Howard Graves says, in my opinion, the cycle just keeps on repeating itself with police brutality. You can't change someone's heart or motivation. And Kwamel Allah says, gotta love when things are done to gotta love when things are done to us and it's always a game of nothing to see here right and he also says the issue is they're just evil wicked and sadistic like that but think they have racial innocence all right we've got uh let's let's see if we can get steve in here steve is calling from la steve what's on your mind hey gentlemen i'm really enjoying this discussion as a retired attorney who used to represent municipal entities in situations like this. And and here is something that I think will provide an incentive to get cities and states to get off of their behinds and stop just subsidizing this. Mm -hmm. If the insurance companies and the excess insurance companies that fund these settlements, which we mistakenly regard as justice, were somehow precluded from doing so because it's it's against public policy to subsidize police misconduct, which is what they do. And if the cities and municipalities and states are left with having to go into their general funds to make these settlements mm. and deplete budgets and hit taxpayers in the pocketbook because these entities are unwilling to change police misconduct, uh, then there won't be this, this, this spill a drink, mop up a drink, spill a drink, mop up a drink mm -hmm. type of mentality mm -hmm. that we have, which essentially to me is saying that, that society prioritizes and is okay with these abuses happening so long as there's a bottomless pit of indemnification money to settle these cases and promote so-called justice it's a it's a it's a spinning wheel it's it's unjust it's unfair and i'm not saying anything to talk badly about plaintiffs attorneys who do their legal jobs and get settlements mm -hmm. i understand that mm -hmm. but let's not equate this with justice my my thinking is if i got a dangerous condition at my house and people keep falling down and i don't fix it my insurance company isn't just going to indemnify my liability ad infinitum. Talk They're going to gonna drop me. They're going <laughs> to drop me. And, and mm -hmm. what these damn cities do is I'm sure we citizens never hear that the insurance companies and the excess insurance companies and the comprehensive general insurance companies, they up the premiums to the cities. The cities pay the increased premiums because the cities are becoming bad risks. And you never hear diddly squat about an insurance company saying, forget this. We're not going to indemnify you anymore. You're not complying with consent decrees from the federal, just, just, federal uh, justice department. You're still getting your federal subsidies from the justice department. This is a rat in a cage spinning wheel. So basically to wrap it up. If insurance companies by city councils, state governments are told, look, you know, you need to do something about paying for this and through your insurance and not really rolling up your sleeves and saying, cops, stop this stuff or we're not going to defend you. We're not going to indemnify you. As a matter of fact, we're going to join the plaintiffs and file cross complaints against you. 
for this bad faith misconduct. So if we civilly draw down on your behinds like these plaintiffs are, and we tell these insurance companies to stop indemnifying these officers, I think the police unions will then think about making a change here. But but as long as these settlements come in, um, and, and again, I don't want to knock the settlements too much, but, but mm-hmm. they aren't justice. They right, don't right. change mm-hmm. the way police behave. If I know that if I slap you, mm-hmm. I'm going to in, get indemnified and a free lawyer and, and 15,000 citizen complaints go in my file, I'm still going to get defended and indemnified. What the heck incentive do I have to stop? And that's the, that's, that's the point of these police unions and, and associations. They tell the cop management, hey, look, <laughs> if you don't indemnify Steve, well, then, uh, you know what? We're, we, we're liable to call a general strike on your behind. So, but it's against public policy to ensure against, uh, borderline criminal conduct. You smash your car up and your, your behind is drunk. Your insurance company isn't going to defend the, or indemnify you because it's against public policy to be right, drinking right. and driving and hurting people. <laughs> right. Same thing with cops. All right, I'm going to stop. Now. No, no, I, no, I Steve. Steve, I appreciate you so much. You got Andy in the control room mm-hmm. clapping. You got all of us over here uh, mm-hmm. saying amen. And I wish I, if I had a, if I could post a meme right now on the on the screen, it would be the <laughs> meme of Step Brothers uh, saying, "Did we just become best friends?" Yep. Because Steve, I appreciate you, and I want you to, I want you to call in again. Uh, I want you to. Call, we're on every Friday, so uh, yeah. call in again um, <laughs> next week or the week after, whenever you feel like it. Appreciate your comments, Steve. Eight hundred nine two zero fifteen eighty. Eight hundred nine two zero is the number to call. So stop yeah. indemnifying wrongdoing. That's all I'm saying. No, I hear you. I hear you, and uh, and uh, I think we all agree. We all agree. And your your facts. You know, like those 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 uh, magicians that just kind of keep pulling the rope out of something and the rope just keeps on coming. Like that's what your facts were. Your facts just kept on like coming. And I thought there was going to be an end, but you didn't. And you came with another fact, another point. So shout out to you, Steve. Thank you for that. <laughs> we do have to step aside for a quick break here. And we'll get into what in the white entitlements on the other side on KBLA talk 1580. We're back on the Friday edition of Ariva Martin real time, joined by Dr. Sean Fletcher and Danny Griffin. And just uh, two words to finish off that discussion, qualified immunity. <laughs> Need to end qualified immunity. Yep. And so that's the exact uh, thing I was looking at. Yep. The exact thing I was looking at. As Steve was talking, I was that's the exact thing I started to think about. Is because ultimately that's basically what Steve was getting at, just a parallel mm-hmm. of it. Is ending those ending those protections. So you're absolutely right. Exactly. So let's uh let's get into our our weekly Friday segment. It's when we examine situations and people exhibiting extreme privilege that can only come from some a certain type of person it's white so this is a an actual congressman on the floor of the house and let's hear what he has to say andy arizona well mr chairman though that was unbelievably inspiring My amendment has nothing to do with whether or not colored people or black people or anybody can serve, okay? It has nothing to do with color of skin, any of that stuff. What we want to preserve and maintain is the fact that our military does not become a social experiment. 
We want the best of the best. We want to have standards that guide who, who's in what unit, what they do. And I'm going to tell you guys right, right now, the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, the North Koreans, they are not, they are not doing this because they want the strongest military possible. I Gentlemen, hope my colleagues on the other side can understand what we're doing. Thank you so much. Mr. Speaker, to be recognized to have the words colored gen- people. For what purposes generally seek recognition? I'd like to be recognized to have the words colored people stricken uh, from the record. I find it offensive and very inappropriate. Is a gentlelady asking for unanimous consent to take down the words? I am asking for unanimous consent to take down the words of referring to me or any of my colleagues as colored people. For what purpose is the gentleman from Arizona? Can I amend my comments to people of color? <laughs> gentleman wishes to amend his comments. It's the best part right here. Is the gentleman asking consent, Mr. Speaker, to have the word stricken? I didn't ask for an amendment. Is there unanimous consent to have the have the word stricken? Yes. Without objection, so ordered. Without objection, so ordered. I didn't ask for an amendment. I said I want them stricken. No, you can't take it back. So that's Rep. Eli Crane, who said who called us colored people like it's 1911 or something. And then that's Rep. Joyce Beatty from Ohio, who went in and checked him on the House floor in front of everybody. And then the, as you saw, without objection, or as you heard, without objection, so ordered. Yes, it is stricken from the record. No, you can't take it back. But just why I wanted to, <laughs> just why I wanted to have to highlight this this as part of what in the white privilege is because. For you to be that oblivious, and you said, you said colored people didn't even hesitate, kept on going, and then it wasn't until later when you saw that she was upset and everyone in the chamber was kind of agreeing, like, yeah, you kind of messed that one up. Then you tried to come back and say, oh, can I, can I change it to people of color? I don't think you would have changed, you, you would have tried to change it if you hadn't had gotten that reaction, even if you had realized that you had said that and it was offensive. And so you have to have a certain kind of privilege to be able to be a congressman and still be calling us colored people and think it's cool. That is why Rep. Eli Crane of Arizona is the subject of this week's What in the White Privilege. It's white. And uh, uh, Danny and Dr. Fletcher, I'll give you a chance to comment on uh, in the next hour if you want. Uh, just we're, we're pushed up against a, a news traffic and sports update here in a second. But uh, I'll absolutely give you a chance to weigh in if you like when we come back. That's the, that's the beauty of having y'all here for the whole show. <laughs> and so right after this news traffic and sports update, more with Dr. Fletcher and Danny Griffin. And we're going to be talking about also, I got some more audio for you. I got some more white privilege for you. This one, the next one's even worse when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. And it is the Friday edition of Reba Martin in Real Time. Avi Bernard with you every Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Joined today by Dr. Sean Fletcher and Danny Griffin. We are going to get back into our conversation. But first, here's what you might have missed. A suspect has been arrested in connection with three of the 10 victims linked to the Gilgo Beach, New York murders. 
New York City architect Rex Herman is charged with the murders of three women whose bodies were found covered in burlap along Ocean Parkway in Long Island's South Shore in December 2010. The three women were between 22 and 27 years old and all worked as sex workers. The Biden administration announced today that it would cancel $39 billion of student debt owed by more than 804,000 borrowers whose debts have been outstanding for more than 20 years. The program is separate from President Biden's sweeping student debt relief program that the Supreme Court struck down last month. But the announcement comes as the Biden administration looks to highlight its alternative pathways for delivering student debt relief in the face of that legal defeat. Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr., the civil rights icon and former presidential candidate, is stepping down as president of the Rainbow Push Coalition, according to his son, Rep. Jonathan Jackson. The senior Jackson will announce his retirement at the annual Rainbow Push Convention in Chicago on Sunday. Vice President Kamala Harris will be the keynote for the event, and a successor to Jackson is also expected to be announced. Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr. was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 2017. California voters will have the chance to remove language barring same-sex marriage from their state's constitution in 2024's general election. The California Senate passed a proposed constitutional amendment yesterday that would repeal Proposition 8, which voters approved in 2008, to ban the state from recognizing same-sex marriages. The state Senate voted 31-0 to repeal the proposition, with all but one of the chamber's eight Republicans choosing not to vote. The California Assembly passed the measure in June, with two-thirds majority needed to place it on the ballot in 2024. The two black men who were allegedly tortured and assaulted in an incident by five Rankin County, Mississippi deputies and one Richland police officer spoke out yesterday for the first time about the January interaction they say left one of them shot in the mouth. 32-year-old Michael Jenkins and 35-year-old Eddie Parker were at their residence on January 24th when they say five Rankin County deputies and one Richland Police Department officer entered without a warrant to, con- to conduct a drug raid. The deputies and officer beat the men through exit them and shocked them with tasers for roughly 90 minutes while handcuffed. According to the lawsuit filed by the men last month in collaboration with Black Lawyers for Justice, the lawsuit is against the Sheriff's Department and related parties and seeks $400 million in damages. Hollywood is facing its largest labor action since 1960 as actors began a strike yesterday, joining the tens of thousands of entertainment writers who have been on the picket line since June. The Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild of America say their demands are meant to protect their members in an era of rapid change and uncertainty for the entertainment industry brought on by factors like the proliferation of streaming, collapsing box office returns, and artificial intelligence. A World Health Organization agency declared on Thursday that aspartame, an artificial sweetener widely used in diet drinks and low-sugar foods, could possibly cause cancer. A second World Health Organization committee, though, held steady on its assessment of a safe level of aspartame consumption. By some calculations, using the panel's standard, a person weighing 150 pounds could avoid a risk of cancer, but still drink about a dozen cans of diet soda a day. The declaration by a World Health Organization agency of a cancer risk associated with aspartame reflects the first time the prominent international body has weighed in publicly on the effects of the nearly ubiquitous artificial sweetener. Aspartame has been a contentious ingredient 
for decades. When we come forward, we're going to get into our conversation with Dr. Sean Fletcher and Danny Griffin, and I've got some audio for you of someone claiming that not only is this privilege, but this is just so stupid, that Michelle Obama, among others, only got to where they are because of affirmative action. So we're going to we're going to hear that and have a conversation about it. And of course, you're welcome to join us. 800-920-1580. 800-920-1580 is the number to call if you want to make a question or comment when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. And we're back on the Friday edition of Reva Martin Real Time with Dr. Sean Fletcher and Danny Griffin. So much still to talk about. Man. All right. So I, I wanted just to... Just to make sure, you don't have to, but you can make a comment on Rep. Eli Crane of Arizona's uh, assertion that we are colored people, Dr. Fletcher. Well, to, to tie up all my thoughts on this, one, one of the major problems about privilege, specifically white privilege, is that white people haven't had to care about the words that they use, mm. how they position themselves, like other groups have had to do. That's why I'm, I was glad that the congresswoman checked him the way that she did and did not allow for him to amend it. Mm. Because too many times we have seen this apathy and this ambivalence towards cultural competency on the part of white people because they oftentimes and typically position those of minority groups as the outliers and it positions them as a standard. And in this situation, he did just that and she recognized it. And she didn't let him amend it. She wanted it completely stricken from the record. And it reminded me of, of, of what happened a couple months ago with uh, Glenn Kuyper, the Oakland A's uh, mm -hmm. announcer. Yep. When he got fired, when he got fired for for uh, when he was referencing the Negro League, mm -hmm. and he uh, eventually used the the N word with the hard ER mm -hmm. at the end of it, and. And the, the the crazy part about it, Avi and Danny, is that happened up here. And when I spoke out about it, I got emails saying, "Are you are you happy? He got fired. Why couldn't he get a second chance?" The problem again is that now you want me to get into his heart of hearts, and if he's a racist, no. When you when you what what is done in the dark comes to light. Who you are at home, the language you use at home, when it slips when it when it when it slips out on the floor of, of Congress or on the airways like in Glenn Kuyper's case, you don't get a second chance. You should be held accountable because you should have done the work to undo the bias and the privilege that led to this in the first place. Yeah, I, I've said Negro League many times in my life, and I, it's never come out N-word league, uh, ever. Sounds nothing like it. It doesn't, it's not the same word. It doesn't sound anything like it at all. So, Danny Griffin, did you want to, uh, before we move on from what in the white privilege, did you want to uh, chime in on, on Rep. Eli Crane calling us colored people? Well, you know, the thing is a lot of people say uh, affirmative action, affirmative action, but affirmative action doesn't help you graduate, right? You cannot take that away um, from our distinguished uh, African-American queens. Well, we're you about to get into that next, but I mean, on the on the, the previous clip of uh, of him calling us colored people, though, any any thoughts on that? Oh, I don't do the colored people thing. Uh, uh, no, no. And I'm going to tell you why, because, it, because it's used in a negative connotation because of the person that's saying it 
is old enough to hear his great-grandfather or his grandfather uh, use it in a different term. Right, it just like I, like I did, it depends on sometimes who who the author is, and this in this instance coming from that state, no, absolutely not. You can't do that. All right, so speaking of affirmative action, uh, Andy, let's um let's tee up this next clip for you, and this is a uh, human steaming pile of doo doo, Charlie Kirk, <laughs> and let's you got it ready, Andy? Let's hear what he has to say. In fact, you know, if, if we would have said three weeks ago, Blake, if we would have said that Joy Reid and Michelle Obama and Sheila Jackson Lee and Katanji Brown Jackson were affirmative action picks, we would have been called the racist. But now they're coming out and they're saying it for us. They're coming out and they're saying, I'm only here because of affirmative action. Yeah, we know. You do not have the brain processing power to otherwise be taken really seriously. You had to go steal a white person's slot to go be taken somewhat seriously. Play cut 50. Okay, so the maddening point he was making is that the only way that we can get into prestigious positions is by, quote-unquote, stealing another white person's spot. Michelle Obama, graduate of Princeton University and Harvard Law School. As you said, Danny, you can't... Affirmative action don't get you a degree. And the fact that... The, or, or the assertion that... And then he... And he she tried to see how he tried to get powerful black women from different areas. He, he said Joy Reid, who is a, a prominent news anchor. He said Michelle Obama, who obviously is uh, not only former first lady of the United States, but also a lawyer. Sheila Jackson Lee, who is a congresswoman. And Ketanji Brown Jackson, a Supreme Court justice. So he tried to just pick us from every level of prestige and say, see all these black women? They're only, they only got to where they are because of affirmative action. And this is, this is, what, this is why white people are so, or, or some white people are so fascinated with the, the, and, and so happy that affirmative action was struck down because they now think that because affirmative action isn't there that you're not going to be seeing powerful people like that come up because we can't, we can't get into those positions without affirmative action. Well, in the words of the late, great Charlie Murphy, wrong, wrong. So th the fact that this milk toast, mediocre ass white dude <laughs> has the nerve to say that about all these women is, you know what, Andy, can you can you pull up? And I know you might not be prepared for this, but if you can just play the white privilege clip again, the what in the white privilege of this dude to, and if you ever heard this dude speak, he is, what's the term that they use? He's, um, he's a french fry, a, a, french, a few nuggets short of a happy meal. Right, he just doesn't have it all going. He's not smart. He, he doesn't make good points. He, he is as average as they come. <laughs> <laughs> Mediocrity at his finest. Why is that, Andy? 
Oh, I thought you, I thought you said you had it ready. So, the <laughs> one the white privilege clip. The one white privilege clip. What is it? What is it? It's white. You, you already know. Now, I want you gentlemen to, you know, <clears throat> if you wanted to weigh in, I'm sure you do. I want to get your thoughts on this. But just this, this uh, mediocre, earthworm Jim looking. I mean, if you see his face, it looks like his face is trying to swallow his eyes. They His head is so big, but everything else, it looks like it was just like a Mr. Potato headed on there. But it like but on the wrong size, Mr. Potato head doesn't look he doesn't look like a real person. But uh, Dr. Fletcher, your thoughts on uh, the comments of Charlie Kirk? First of all, it's it's a joke, and I think it should be taken as one. But Tucker Carlson left a, a grifter, race baiting, gender baiting, click baiting void, and idiots like 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 this guy are trying to fill it, and they know what they're doing, and, and it's not even worth trying to to correct the record because he knows those three women's records. And he knows how immaculate and, and pristine they are. But that's not what he wanted. He, he's getting what he wanted. He went viral, uh, 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 disparaging and, and subjugating black women. And this is where I'll pivot and say his racism is showing. It's not even saying the quiet part out loud. Whatever cliche or colloquialism you want to throw out there. His racism is showing. Because, one, if you know anything about affirmative action, it's not simply about race. All right. Mm -hmm. It is designed to, to level the playing field, in particular in education and employment, based upon historically marginalized and disenfranchised, discriminated, discriminated against groups of people. That's gender, race, sexuality, creed, nationality, so on and so forth. However, he chose three very distinct <laughs> examples <laughs> of three black women. Black women, not mm -hmm. black men, black women, mm -hmm. all right? So your misogyny is showing. They're all black. Your racism is showing. You said that they're going to take the spot of a white person, okay? Well, again, to Danny's point, if you understand how affirmative action works, you will know that it doesn't slot you in. It's not a quota, all right? It is... You have to be qualified because historically discriminated against groups have been qualified and still didn't get the slot that that idiots like him got. So he may want to go back and do a little bit uh, of digging to figure out how his entitlement and legacy status possibly got him to where he is, where a qualified, marginalized and, dis and, and discriminated against person possibly deserved his seat more than him. But he was very pronounced and distinct in the examples that he chose, and that wasn't lost on me. So he was making a very racist and very misogynistic point, and it got clicked. And that's the part that grieves me the most, is mm. getting airtime across the Internet. Mm. Mm. And also, he would never say, well, this, these white women got in because of affirmative action, and that's the point we got to keep making to remind people that affirmative action exactly. benefited white women as much as anyone. And you're not going to hear anyone like yeah. like him saying, "Well, now that uh, affirmative action is gone, you're not going to have any more white women stealing the, the spots of white men." 
you're not going to hear him say that, mm-hmm. but, but that's that's as much of a, of a part of this as anything. Danny, go ahead. And he didn't mention uh, Supreme Court Justice uh, Clarence Thomas. Mm. He didn't mention mm. Candace Owens. He didn't mention Thank Ben you, Carson. Thank you. He didn't mention any other individuals um, that people say represent um, non-black interest. I'll keep it real clean. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'll keep it real clean because my thing is people can change overnight. Right. So you don't really want. I don't. We're all together collectively, whether we like it or not, by our looks. <laughs> so I don't want you, to demean you, people because mean, they're Republican or Democrat or whatever. No, I, no, I hear you. Yeah. I hear so you I'm on just that. like, yeah. But he did. He didn't do that, and 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 that's my point uh, because we've all been to, you know, uh, those of us who uh, have the privilege or affirmative action, I guess, to get into school. I got a basketball scholarship. Next thing you know, they're gonna say I wasn't good enough. But anyway, when we're on these campuses, we go through a lot, whether you're an athlete or you're just a regular student or not. You always have somebody questioning uh, your ability or questioning why are you here like you don't belong uh, when you're at a non-HBCU school. So the point is, these individuals that he's speaking of, uh, Michelle Obama and Supreme Court Justice Jackson, not only did they go to one of the highest levels of institution in the world that we have, they graduated at the top of the class. It's no affirmative action for that. You have to produce. <laughs> you have to have stellar work. And we know they had opposition, I'm sure, all the teachers were not fair, and they graduated at the top of their class. This guy, uh, it, it seems like he's buffoon. Like he might be, like he might have some mental issues. And along oh, with well, racial. Well, he absolutely does. Yeah, and he might need to see a doctor or something. Well, he's a blithering idiot. Or a psychiatrist, you know, whatever. He's, he's, you know. he's, very, he's very unsmart. He's very, yes. He's yes. very not smart. Yes, yes, yes. And never heard of him besides today. I hate to say that. No, no, I don't I'm operate glad. that way. Yeah, I've never heard you. of this guy. I am happy for you yeah, that you have yeah. never heard of yeah, Charlie Kirk. I wish I lived in that yeah, world. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I would like here on behalf of the black delegation to propose a trade. Since you <laughs> mentioned Clarence Thomas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Watch who you trade now Because you got brothers bleaching their skin too. Hey, hey listen I'm going to give y'all an opportunity Just to say if you want to trade anybody for Clarence Thomas I'm going to say um, But first I'm going to say I would like to propose a trade Black delegation request Bernie Sanders For Clarence Thomas straight up That's all I'm saying Really? You'll do that straight up? Straight up I'd take it I'd okay. take it today I need <laughs> <laughs> I need to look at the, the tax. I'd I take need to Adam see. Kinzinger. I need to talk to my agent. I need to talk to my agent. He said Adam Kinzinger, who, uh, <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. For, I'm sure a lot of people might hear that name and not know who it is. Adam, Adam Kinzinger is. You got to look him up. He's a Republican congressman who had to retire because he, he became um, somewhat, well, he became very unwilling to, uh, to support Donald Trump. Oh, wow. And so, and he had to retire because now if you're in Congress and you tell the truth about Donald Trump, then they won't vote for you anymore. Oh, so, wow. Uh, but yeah, I'll take Adam Kinzinger, too. Sure. I'll, I'll take John Kasich. Mm-hmm. I'll take John. I'll, hey, anybody, almost anybody other than Clarence Thomas, you know, a black delegation, we are very open to trades for Clarence Thomas. So. Yeah. Uh, we need to trade. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to look at that. I got, I got a few people to trade, too. Let me talk to my agent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's something we need to explore. Okay, so uh, when we come forward, uh, there's a there's a clip 
It is a clip of a white guy being beaten very badly by by a, a bunch of a, a bunch of black people, right? And the caption on the clip says the, that a DoorDash driver getting his, is getting his car stolen um, when making a delivery. And when I first saw this clip, I, I thought to myself, how do we know that's actually what happened? We, we don't know that's actually what happened, right? And I, I thought that, and it was bothering me because people in the comments were just immediately, no one asked for a source, no one asked how that the, the, the poster of this video knows that's what was taking place. And people in the comments are just leaving the most racist remarks you know, animals, savages. This is why we can't deliver in those neighborhoods. Mm. Um, I think oh, someone wow. said we have to destroy those neighborhoods. And so, but I, I it, it didn't sit well with me. And so I saw the clip posted somewhere else. And this is one of the main reasons I wanted y'all to stay for the second hour today, too. So we can have this conversation because they will take any any excuse to just go ahead and, and just spew some racism but then i saw so i saw this clip posted again and under it this, and this is both on twitter and under it on the second time there was um like a kind of like an advisory saying that that uh, doordash says that they don't even they don't there's no they can't verify this is actually actually a driver mm. and so someone got this clip of of uh of this white dude being being beaten up and I don't know if he maybe he deserved it. I heard someone else say that he ran over a kid and mm. he ran over a black kid and that's why they were beating him up. Mm. And so we're going to get into this when we come forward. We have a, we got to get into some news, traffic and sports uh right here, but I want to I want to have a conversation about this and and why you can't just believe everything you you see on the internet. But we're going to Let's let's hear some uh, some sports news and traffic right here on KBLA Talk fifteen eighty. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk fifteen eighty. It's the Friday edition of Ariva Martin in real time. Avi Bernard joined by Danny Griffin and Dr. Sean Fletcher. So, I and I wish uh, I would play this clip for for everyone out there um, watching on YouTube and, and listening. But obviously, if you're just listening, then it won't do you any good because it's just it's, there's not really any audio to it it's just a, a crazy scene of of a white guy kind of getting jumped by a, a, a bunch of black people and there's no explanation as to what's happening but someone whoever posted the video first they said that it's a uh, DoorDash driver getting jumped just for going into a black neighborhood and let me see if I can actually pull up what the disclaimer says on the video let's see here um yeah so you know sometimes on twitter they have these uh disclaimers that kind of give you a little context and sometimes they don't because the first time as i said the first time i saw this clip there was no disclaimer and people on on the uh on the post are kind of just making all kind of racist comments and so now on this post it says there is no evidence this involved a DoorDash driver or a DoorDash 
Dasher or even occurred on the platform, states DoorDash. The video was originally posted at least a year ago, has been reposted multiple times with multiple explanations for what is depicted. So, you shouldn't need a disclaimer, though, to tell you that. Twitter is not always going to provide a disclaimer with with something along those lines, as they didn't even with this very same video, which I had seen the day before. So just because someone posts a clip and say, this is what's happening in this clip, unless you see the whole thing or you have some kind of proof that it's actually what's happening, you don't have to believe it. And the the people using this video as an excuse to exhibit racism and, and use the N-word and say that we're animals and savages and we have no idea what happened in this video and whether or not this dude earned this this ass whooping. <laughs> so that's why I want to talk about this because I think it's important for us just as everyday people as much time as we spend on our phones and computers. We, we have to to really take everything with a grain of salt and not believe that something is what people say it is so uh so danny i'll let you start on on this one what do you think when you when you see um and then also before sorry danny before i get to you someone said i want to start a gofundme for this man to get him a new car because they took his car in, in the clip <laughs> but dude you don't even someone says if anyone has this dm the same guy says if anyone has this man's information send me a dm dude you don't even know that's what happened you want to you want to start dm for this dude I mean, a, a, a GoFundMe for this dude. You don't even know what happened. 800-920-1580 is the number to call. 800-920-1580. Danny, go ahead. Uh, first and foremost, a lot of this stuff is 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 being used as, uh, for propaganda, basically. Um, right. So if you look at TV, when TV first came out, it was certain shows. And before TV, you had radio. We were forced to listen, then see what uh the television executives wanted us to see so later on diversity came all this other stuff so same thing with social media remember when you saw all your friends comments when it first came out on facebook you saw everything right now you if you google something it'll show up uh on, on your timeline if if you speak uh, for some uh, strange reason things are coming up on your your timeline and so you're only going to see what box uh, that you're in. So so there are people doing the same things in all racial groups around the country. It's just where do you fit in and what you're privy to see on social media. So when I see something like this, always vet it. Uh, because I got a video the other day, and it was from 2017. But yet somebody is pushing a certain agenda mm -hmm. by rehashing this video today. Mm -hmm. So if you move a certain way, like I do, I, I need to vet everything. So if somebody send me something or I see something, I look at the year, I, I, what's behind it, who's pushing it. I look at the source, the people involved, and then I, I make a decision. Oh, this is not – you don't just see, oh, five white guys jumping on a black guy, this cause jumping on this person, and we don't know the circumstance. That's how you create discord. Uh, that's how you create council culture, and that's how you brainwash people and put all people in a negative collective uh, that uh, creates discord. I, I'm not involved in that, so I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't buy any of that. And this is another comment from the post. Someone says, 
They're so... Hold on. I think it's a black dude who said this too. They're so far <laughs> gone, you can't even deliver food to their area. SMH. They are so far gone. They? That's what he said. And he Really? Okay. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> he said they and he's... Look at the content of their character. This is what this is. These are the comments that people are leaving, mm, and wow. so you don't even know you don't you don't even know what actually happened. And and I'm just gonna say something racist because this is my this is already my thought about them. And someone is claiming that this is what happened in this video. So I'm gonna go ahead and let my racism out because I see this as an excuse to let it out. So uh, Dr. Fletcher, your thoughts? I, I think if looking at this video. You know, it's easy to jump to a bunch of different conclusions. Mm -hmm. And you both laid out, you both laid out a lot of them. But I think if we're going to truly, you know, approach this, this, this situation, and not just this video, because again, we don't know, and we don't know all the details of it. But if we're to really approach what this video is signaling about us as a society and who we are, mm -hmm. I think we also have to, to approach it in good faith and with positive intent. I don't want to overlook and and fuel the naysayers by overlooking that while we don't know if this man deserved it or didn't deserve it, we also don't know if he did. All right. Mm -hmm. So let's 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 be fair and impartial if we're gonna actually have a purely motivated conversation. All right. Because the naysayers among us We'll say, how do y'all know? Y'all jumping to conclusions just like we are. Fair. All right? So approaching this with clear eyes, saying we don't know if he deserved it or he didn't deserve it. All right? I also have to look at that, and, and that has to be looked at as well. But what I will say, coming back to the, the deeper point within all of this, is that when you look at that video, we know nothing. We don't even know if that was a white man. I looked at that video a dozen times. That man is darker than me. And I am a two African-American parent. And, and I don't know, it, you could say it was the summertime and he's a tan white man. Again, speculation. But the, the, the darkest among us, meaning the underbelly of society who came out in these Twitter comments, led to that conclusion. That it was a gang of uh, thugs in the hood. And again, hood in quotation marks. We don't know where that was. We don't define hood. Right, right. Again, Danny, Danny, Danny mentioned propaganda and all of that. There's a lot of truth to that. They started throwing out all of these dog whistle mm -hmm. terminologies that if you're not if you're not really sensitive to catch uh, to catch those, they will continue to stoke these flames of racism of the, these 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 somewhat dog whistle style. Uh, tropes that are thrown out there that get perpetuated throughout society. And people are jumping to conclusions on what they think this is. We don't know who was in that car. We don't know if they were an accomplice of this dude. How many times have you seen when things got he heated mm -hmm. up that your partner took off? Right. We don't know. <laughs> right. If you could jump to a conclusion, if you could jump to a conclusion, so can I. But what comes out with this video is that we so easily as a society, man, allow ourselves to revert back to the ugliest common denominator of racism and tropes. And we lean into them and they create division mm -hmm. 
and they allow for us to continue to perpetuate some of the nonsense that we hear from the highest levels of this land, like the white privilege segment that we just did. From idiots like them, it's all a common thread. And down in, in the streets is when we see it like this, in Twitter comments. But we also see it on Capitol Hill. Right. There is no difference. There is no difference. So we got, in my opinion, we got to see the higher common thread between these types of issues that we oftentimes will separate and see that there is absolutely a common thread and language that is being used that is perpetuating these racist division and tropes that, as the caller mentioned earlier, we need to start doing something to move beyond it. Well, first, we need to recognize that this isn't haphazard at all. Just look at the comments yep. and then you deduce from there where those things are coming from based upon what we know is factual. All we know that's factual is that it was daylight, there was a car, there were people involved, and that's it. The only facts we know of that video. And DoorDash came out and debunked what we thought was a fact. Exactly. Within it. <laughs> yeah, DoorDash came out and said, uh, we have no evidence this is one of our drivers. And if you're... If you're Hearing us talk about this clip, and you want to see it, if you if you can you can search on Twitter. It's a, an account called Crazy Clips Only, and just so you can see it, and just search uh, you know DoorDash in their in their tweets, and you can see the video. And so I, I love how you started, Doctor Fletcher. It was a very classy thing to say. You know, we shouldn't assume either that he did deserve it, and I I totally hear that. The reason I wanted to start off the conversation by. Uh, going to the other side of what they're doing they're assuming that he did deserve it i'm not i'm not assuming that he did deserve it i'm just saying we mm -hmm. don't know that he that we that we don't know that he didn't deserve it and so uh, mm -hmm. you know i I'm a, I'm a fan of shannon sharp and uh a, a while back I, someone just commented on his commented to him on twitter randomly uh i heard you don't like black women smh right and so he responded i heard them dreads are a lace front we both hearing ish SMH, and so exactly. So basically, he, mm -hmm. you can you can make up anything, and I can make up mm -hmm. anything too. And so, if if we're gonna be doing that, then it go, it can go both ways. But I I totally agree, Doctor Fletcher, that that's not what we should do. And but it's hard to engage in a good faith conversation with people like that who have no interest in engaging in a good faith conversation who only have an interest in perpetuating their, their racism whenever they get an excuse to. And, and this video is, is a perfect example of that. But great, great discussion, fellas. In uh, the time we have left when we come forward, I do want to uh, see if we can touch on this uh, actor's strike, which is, is just now official. And uh, how, how y'all uh, see this going and, and, and whether, you know, you think actors are... are in the right or they're in the wrong well, let's get into it when we come forward on kbla talk 1580 and it's friday edition of a martin real time wrapping up here avi bernard with dr sean fletcher and danny griffin shout out to those of you hanging out with us on youtube and Quamel said that charlie kirk should shoot that out of his mouth about clarence thomas he he claims that he uh he said it before you did danny griffin he said he wants his credit for you for you <laughs> saying that credit given okay there you go so um uh, pretty brown mimi checking in howard graves Quamel, of course and all of y'all uh hanging out with us we appreciate you 
So this actor's strike, it's happening. It's here. It's, uh, it, it is, it is something that didn't have to get to this point, but it did because of greed. And so the actors have joined the writers, the Writers Guild of America, the WGA. It has been on strike since June. That strike has been on for a while. And I just got to send send the, some positive energy to those writers because they've already been making a lot less. And then when you ask anyone to go without a pay uh, a paycheck for go without one paycheck. Let's see. Mm-hmm. That's difficult. Go without four, five, six paychecks. I mean, come on. And the 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 producers are doing this on purpose. They want the writers to get starved out. And so now that the actors have joined, I think the producers are going to have a, a much harder time, much more difficult time now because now they can't do anything. Mm. You know, you don't have writers. You can, you can, you know, kind of get some some ghost writers in here or in or or you know figure out a way to kind of make some things happen. But without actors and <laughs> and, and, and the set and and I'm a member of SAG after and the, and what I love about it is they're not playing. Oh no. No. They say any non-union actors, you step across this picket line and you get in something, you are banned for life from, from SAG. joining SAG. Oh, for joining sure. SAG. Yeah, yeah. And why is that a big deal? Because if you're if you're any kind of if you want to be an actor, you want to be in SAG eventually. If you're not right now, and why do you want to be in SAG? Because the the pay is so much better. The the benefits. Benefits. From I mean, you can't. They can't take advantage of you when you're in SAG, and when you're non-union, they can, they can uh, have, have you'll you be on that set all day, hungry for for free. I've been there. So have I. So have I. <laughs> so uh, so, Doctor Fletcher, let's, uh, get your thoughts on the uh, on the SAG after strike to to join the writers. I think it's necessary. I'm, I'm uh, I appreciate and I respect uh, actors. For, for joining in. Uh, one of the, the bigger uh, examples of it was uh, at the premiere of Oppenheimer uh, that happened the other day. The actors immediately, when they were alerted of the strike, um, on site walked off the premiere. That's a bold statement. Mm. And and understanding that there's solidarity. Uh, and, and, and you also have to understand, and this is, this is the, the benefit of uh, not tying two two separate issues together, but talking about privilege, man, and allyship. Actors are the ones who potentially may tip the scales in this. Because if actors stay strong and come with the weight that they come uh, uh, to the bargaining tables, they could potentially raise be the tide that raises everybody's boat mm-hmm. in these negotiations. But but one thing that, that, as I was reading up on it, one thing that struck me as somewhat curious, I was reading what some actors are allowed to do within the strike and not be viewed as crossing the, the picket line. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a number of, of opportunities they're still able to take advantage of, which potentially may weaken the union sort of solidarity. They could still work on soap operas, reality shows, morning shows, talk shows, variety shows, et cetera, et cetera, as well as 
some union work in, in commercials and music videos and all those types of things. Oftentimes at the negotiating table, man, as you all know, when you see that there's a possibility to 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 find some sort of backdoor in this, many times that'll prolong the negotiation mm-hmm. as opposed to a full stop cutoff to where now there is a cutoff of the, the faucet, if you will. And now we're seeing significant issues with with, with revenue and generation uh, or revenue generating projects and so on and so forth. We're still seeing some of that content being produced. So my hope is, is that the actors who can, and trust me, I'm not in people's pockets. I understand mm-hmm. you got to put food on the table. Mm-hmm. All right. Real, real life is real life. My hope is, is that they will be, they will use wisdom mm-hmm. when it comes to balancing negotiation and some of the potential opportunities that they still can pursue to feed themselves and their families to where they're not sacrificing the greater good of the negotiation. So again, I, I send positive vibes and, and prayers and hopefully this is resolved quickly because again, we may lean towards the, the, the 1% who are making millions. The majority are not, they need to feed themselves yep. and their families. And this needs to be resolved. Absolutely. Less, less than 1% of actors are famous and, and doing uh, very well financially. So people have to remember that. But that's a good point, though, Dr. Fletcher. You can, uh, and I, I got an email from my uh, agent today saying you can still do commercials, video games, music and music video, audio and podcast, soap operas, and a host of others that will be outlined on the SAG website and bulletin. But this is all under the assumption that they are not being done in promotion of studio-funded projects. So you, you do mm-hmm. any promotion. I love the point you made about Oppenheimer because... They they were there and they had technically had till midnight to do that. They could and they moved the premiere up so that they could do that. Those actors could do it. But they were like, nah, now we're out. But uh, Danny, we got 30 seconds for you, man. Take us home. Solidarity, solidarity, solidarity. I was part of the UTLA strike with the teachers. Um, I support everybody that's trying to feed their family. And the UPS is next, unfortunately. They're estimating it's going to be seven billion dollars to cost our economy if we don't solve that by August 1st. Wow. Oof. Well, gentlemen, uh, having having these two hours with you has been a pleasure and a privilege. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, quickly, Dr. Fletcher, how can we keep up with you? Uh, you got a social media tag you want to put out there? I do. At Sean J. Fletcher, S-H-A-U-N-J-F-L-E-T-C-H-E-R. I'm even on the new thread, so come check me out. <laughs> there you go, Doug. And Danny Griffin, I think you're still on only on Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'll have it. I'm old school. I, I, by the next telecast, we're going to be, we gonna, uh, we'll I, be I out just, I just want to make sure I ask. I want to make sure yeah, I ask. Keep hey, hey, all good, all good. <laughs> all right, fellas, have a good weekend.